come gather round the campfire and hear our ghostly tales of chilling terrors, darkest woes, and anything that goes bump in the night. So cuddle up with your best friend or dare it alone. The darkness is closing in and spirits are calling your name. This is Fireside Phantoms. Tonight, Carol, um, I'm going to tell you some fun stories, fun, scary stories about cops and their experiences with the paranormal. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Is it that one cop we went to see at the paranormal pub and all of his ghost stories? You mean the stripper? What stripper? <laughs> you know when people dress up like cops and then they come and then they oh, strip for you? Oh, jeez, no. <laughs> Ma'am, we've had a we've had a noise complaint. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, no, we we heard. I have to arrest you for being too sexy. Oh, okay. <laughs> Those are my favorite kind of uh, cop interactions. Well, I'm doing cops in the paranormal because we know that officers get called in to do some creepy things sometimes. Like they have to go check the noise in the closet that nobody else wants to go check. So they get pulled into a lot of experiences that are creepy and weird and, and strange and strange. So I thought it'd be interesting to research some of their stories. And yes, okay, so you were talking about earlier, we did go to a paranormal pub. For those of you who don't know, the in the Pacific Northwest, we have a chain of different restaurants and hotels owned by the McMinimans and they have a paranormal pub once a month where people come and talk about different paranormal topics. Carol and I went to one where a guy wrote a book about um, cops and their paranormal experiences, though I didn't use his book as a reference for anything that I'm going to tell you tonight. It's called Cops, True Stories of the Paranormal by Lauren W. Christensen. So that's a good book. I mean, he did have some really interesting stories to tell at the Paranormal Pub. So if you guys are so inclined, we don't know him. We're not trying to advertise for him, but it's a good book. So if you want to find out more about really good cop stories, check that book out. Okay, great. So my first story takes place in one of my most favorite places, Carol. Knowing you, it's somewhere <laughs> where there's a lot of naked people. Yes, that is true. Oh, Hawaii. Hawaii. This first story takes place in Honolulu, Hawaii. So I got this off of YouTube where there is a series called The Unexplained Paranormal Stories of the Honolulu Police Department. So as this, there's actually a lot of stories on there, but I just chose this one because I thought it was the creepiest one I found. So as the story goes, an officer with the Honolulu Police Department was dispatched to the Manoa Chinese Cemetery at about 1 a.m., Due to a noise complaint, the kids were running around playing in the graveyard. Oh, yeah. Kids should not be playing in the graveyard at 1 a.m. No, hell no. So it's dark. It's creepy. He pulls his car up into the cemetery. He's got his light shining, and he doesn't see anyone or anything. But as he goes further in, he does see some movement. So he stops his car and gets out. He shines his flashlight around the cemetery, looking for any sign of kids or people in general. As he is walking through the graveyard, he starts to hear a humming sound coming from behind him. It's a chainsaw. <laughs> no, it's not a chainsaw. Oh. No. So he looks around, but he doesn't see anything, so he keeps going. After a while, the humming gets louder, and he realizes it sounds like a little kid singing a lullaby. 
something like that. That's scary. Uh, so he turns around again and there is nothing behind him. So the best quote in the entire video is when the cop says, look, I'm a big guy. I'm not usually afraid of anything. Except little kid ghosts. Yes. <laughs> little so kid much. ghosts are so spooky. You know what? There is something about kid ghosts that are more creepy than an adult ghost. It's like they're more sinister. I guess it's because in real life, children are innocent and pure and more angelic-like because they haven't been, you know, run down by the world yet. But, um, but it, when they're a ghost, it's almost like they're demonic. It's right. really creepy, I think, and really weird. So anyway, so the officer still cannot see anything, so he decides to leave. He starts walking to his car, and as he's just about to it, his radio starts blaring music at full <laughs> volume. That would be so terrifying. You know, I wish that I had Jesse's girl. No, oh, I'm sure that. it was. I'm sure it was Michael Jackson's it was, thriller. It was probably a lot scarier. No, Michael Jackson's thriller would have been totally appropriate. In the it video, totally they would've. played some other old time song. I can't remember now what it was, but yeah, full blast music, rock and roll. So right? scary. So scary. So um, he's totally freaked out, of course. So he turns off the radio and he starts looking all around his car for kids and pranksters and such. And of course, he finds nothing. So he decides it's time to go. He gets into his car and just as he is about to put it into reverse, the radio blares again. So he decides to leave the radio alone. He's like, if the little kid ghost wants the radio on, he's going to leave it on. <laughs> I wonder I wonder if the little kid got in the cop car and was riding along. I, a shotgun, yeah, maybe, and, and playing with the dials yeah. on his radio. He's like, so this is what it's like to get arrested. Yeah, I like being in a cop car. So he left the cemetery, and he drove back into town, and whenever he drives by that cemetery, he always turns his music way up for whoever may be listening. <laughs> So there you go. Wow. Kind of spooky. That's super spooky. Super spook spook. Okay. So then on to my next uh, fantastic tale of police and the paranormal. In February of 2017, a home in Porto Mont, Chile had been getting a lot of attention from the cops and the media alike. The police were called to the home by the family that lives there because they were terrified of the events happening in the home. The home was a mess when officers arrived with broken windows and mattresses strewn about outside. When officers arrived, they began interviewing the family members, but as they did, a trowel fell down from the ceiling. Okay, Holly, what is a trowel? Well, I'm glad you asked, Carol. A trowel is a small tool like a handheld shovel. Okay, so we like, got a gardener ghost. Yeah, like a gardener ghost, for sure. That was the cue for the officers that this was a ghost. So uh, the officer uh, called out to what he decided was the devil and told him to leave. <laughs> and just as he was doing this, he felt something move against his back. It was a knife. Luckily, he had his protective gear on so it did not cut him. The family told the officers that the entity was lifting objects as well as starting fires. What is it with ghosts and cutlery? I don't know. That's weird. Because as it goes, as the story continues, the family believes they are being haunted by a female who screams at them at night to leave the house. 
Even a reporter that came to the home to interview the family was attacked by the spirit. She witnessed a vase crash the floor and a bag of potatoes catch on fire. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) A bag of potatoes catching on fire? Yes, and she claimed she was attacked with a kitchen utensil as well. Okay, so this ghost has some new tricks up her sleeve if potatoes (laughs) are catching on fire. Maybe she was a cook in that house for many years, and she is angry that they don't make her favorite recipes anymore and she has to attack people with kitchen utensils. Well, I know. I love French fries. I'd be angry if somebody didn't feed me French fries. Would you take it out on a bag of potatoes? Maybe. I mean, maybe she was the cook and the gardener. She could have been. I mean, it seems like she was probably a servant in the household and she was just like, I don't know. As a ghost, you'd really get a lot of bang for your buck. Um throw on a handful of silverware <laughs> very you know not just a yeah. knife but several knives oh yeah that's just, right yeah very yeah. like Planking. low energy but huge reward yeah. i wonder Big how reaction. much energy that would need for a ghost to like be able to like get a whole a whole drawer full of silverware and just boom yeah interesting these are questions we really need answered we we should have a ghost expert on our show someday and ask him or her mm-hmm. these questions okay so I have not heard anything else about this house. Um, I didn't find any other information about it. So I have no idea what happened to the family, if they moved away, if the house calmed down, someone else moved in. I don't know what happened, but I just think it's kind of a creepy story. Um, so Very then, creepy. Very creepy. So uh, my next story comes from policeone.com. Uh, one night, a cop brought a guy in on a domestic violence charge, and as he was booking him and doing the paperwork, he noticed a man standing in the first cell. He said the guy had short hair, glasses, and was wearing a white t-shirt. The man just stood in the cell and stared at him. Ugh. The officer just ignored him and continued to book in his suspect. After he finishes with the paperwork, he walks his suspect to his cell. This meant he would be walking past cell number one. As he does this, the man in the cell just stands there. He doesn't say anything, and he doesn't move. I think the officer didn't really want to make eye contact with him because he felt like the guy maybe was trying to get his attention, so he just looked directly at him. Like staring through intimidation? Yeah, or or like, I don't know, maybe. So after he locks up his suspect in his cell, he and the other officers leave the area. After a while, the cop is told to go back down and get his suspect ready for transport. When the officer goes back down to the holding area, he notices that cell number one is empty. So he tells his sergeant and the two of them immediately start calling everyone around the jail to see if the prisoner had been released. No one had gone into the booking area after they left. Then they checked their paperwork and they realized that there was no paperwork indicating that anyone had been placed in cell number one. Foul play. Foul play. (laughs) It was supposed to be empty the whole time. So they go back and review their surveillance video. When they review the footage, they do see the guy sitting in cell number one. But when they all walk out of the holding area, the guy in cell number one blinks out of the cell. He simply disappears. Oh, he blinks and disappears? The word was, in quotes, blinks. Blinks out of the cell. So good. So good. So was it a ghost or was it someone who was astral projecting? I don't know. Or messing with their security cameras? Yeah. I don't know. So um, they tried to copy the video over to DVD or USB, but when they did, the guy does not even show up in the footage at all. Oh, wow. So that's even weirder, right? 
Even to this day, weird stuff happens around cell number one all the time. Sometimes they can see their suspects talking to someone they cannot see in the general direction of that cell, even though there is no one in that cell. (laughs) It's pretty good, huh? That is so good. Pretty creepy. So this next one does have a video component to it. And I think that the internet gods are going to smile upon us today so that you can actually see what I'm talking about. But um, in Espanola, New Mexico, officers captured video of a ghost on their surveillance camera. Covered by K-O-A-T, Action 7 News. Oh, wow. (laughs) We've got a cheerleader now. Yeah, you're welcome. The ghost is seen walking through a chain link fence across a locked area and to the other side where there is another chain link fence and disappearing. Can you do some jumping jacks too while you're at it? Uh, Maybe. Okay. So here we go. I'm going to show you the footage. See it? Walking across. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a ghost. Walking across. And then there's the cops all talking about it. It's so misty and... and But it's... It looks like a lady in white to me. It's solid enough that you can see it looks like a person walking across their courtyard area. Mm -hmm. And there's the cop talking about this was locked. This is a chain link fence area. And then the the ghost just scared across here to this area and disappeared. So the ghost went through a chain link fence and another chain link fence. That's what it looks like. And I think it's interesting because to me, this looks very similar to the ghost footage we saw of the the couple's house Mm -hmm. that I talked about, the nanny cam footage episode. It looks just like that. It does. The officers say they have experienced a lot of paranormal activity at this police station. They have felt someone breathing down their necks. They hear strange noises at night and they see strange things in the lobby, but they didn't expand on what those things are. They do not believe the police station is located on Native American land, nor have any of their inmates died there. That's interesting that they would say that. So they already right. know if it's well, Native I think, American land. Sure, and I think that probably New Mexico has got a lot of Native American land mm-hmm. in, the, in the whole, st- I mean, probably all of the southwest United States. Yeah. And the Pacific Northwest, too. But let's face it, we have plenty of Native American, what was Native American land up here. So, um I don't think it's as prevalent as as it once was, but you know, you know. So anyway, they do say there have been a few murders that have occurred nearby that have remained unsolved. Perhaps this ghost belongs to one of those victims, and he is trying to tell the police what happened to him. So in my next story, a man had hung himself in a tree in his backyard. When the officers arrived, they knew that the deceased had a girlfriend, so they wanted to locate her to make sure she was okay. And this wasn't actually a murder-suicide situation. They knocked on the door, but no one answered. This made them more worried, so they tried to open the doors on either side of the house, but they were both deadbolted shut. They checked both doors multiple times, and to no avail, they could not get inside. So the officers called for a supervisor to come out to the scene and to bring tools so that they could get inside the house. However, after they made this call, they noticed that the back door was suddenly unlocked. The deadbolt was retracted and the door was open agape. So the officers went inside looking for anyone in the residence. There was no one inside. They they even checked the spooky attic, but there was no one there. Inside the door that was suddenly opened, they found notes left to family members from the dead man outside. After like suicide notes, probably I'm assuming suicide notes and an explanation for why he decided to do what he did would be my guess. They don't they didn't go into um, detail about that. 
Um, after they cleared the house, they went back outside and shut the door behind them. And again, the door was locked. No one had the keys. They didn't know what they were going to do because now they had to call their supervisor back and ask that he <laughs> once again come out with the entry tools they needed. However, as they are discussing this, they look and the back door is open again. They checked the house one more time for anyone inside and nobody was there. Oh, my gosh. That is so creepy because we know deadbolts are hard to just yeah. unlock. Yeah. I mean, it takes some effort. Yeah, you have to slide it. I don't think you can put that on a timer. So and so it would be kind of weird to have it open and then close and then open and then close and then open and close. I would yeah. almost be searching for like a hidden room in the house where somebody's hiding, hiding maybe but they've a, never found anybody. Maybe there's a spooky basement. They didn't go into. I don't know, but that was kind of a creepy story. Plus, the fact that the door opened where all the notes were left that he had written to family members makes me think that he did it. His spirit opened it so that they would find those letters. Oh, yeah. Like he's trying to get his he's message. Trying to, trying to communicate to those he's left behind. Yeah. That's hmm, my that's like my it. theory on what happened. Okay. So, my next three stories are all from thoughtcatalog.com and they had some really good, fun, creepy stories. And I, I saved these for last because I think they are the, the, the most scary of all the stories I've told you today. So the first one is of a cop. He's in rural Nebraska and he's checking the abandoned homes in the area to ensure that they have not been broken into by copper thieves. Um, like people go around stealing cops these days? Not coppers. In terms of the actual cops as people, but copper, the metal. Oh, that's a thing? Yeah. So people put copper, um, like like wires and tubing and pipes in their homes. And then when they're not there, people will break in and steal copper because it's got value. Oh, I have like all these copper pans. Oh, wait. No, I don't. You didn't hear that. I yeah. have no <laughs> copper pans. What's your address again <laughs> for the copper thieves that are listening tonight? No copper thieves. Oh, okay. So anyway, <laughs> so he, he does this drive through the neighborhood where all these abandoned homes are to just make sure no one's breaking in and taking stuff right. There was one house in particular that when he drove by it around 7 p.m., he found that everything looked normal, all the doors were closed, and there was no suspicious activity. Then a few hours later, he drove by again only to find that the back door was wide open. All these back doors <laughs> wide open. What's with the back doors, Holly? There's got to be a really good back door sex reference right here. <laughs> There's got to be a Stay away from the back door, people. Yeah. So he stopped his car and he got out to take a look. He noticed when he got up to the door that there were no footprints in the snow, which was odd. He calls for a backup and he goes inside. He pulls out his flashlight and he starts looking around. The house is a mess with many of its entrails missing. Home entrails. So, you know, like the, the cupboards have been ripped out and the pipes have been ripped out and there's holes in the walls and all the things that make a house a home have been ripped out. So to me, those are the entrails of a house. Oh, I forgot you were a writer. Yeah. <laughs> so you're getting like the creative. I'm, I'm getting, I'm really getting deep verbiage. in metaphor right now. Yes. Knee deep. Continue. So, um, so the officer notices that there are no footprints in the dust on the floor in the home either. Mm -hmm. As he is moving through the house, he hears a loud noise from upstairs, and he also hears kids laughing. <laughs> yeah, creepy kids laughing. <laughs> he yells out, "Please come downstairs!" Like I'm your dad. Come down. Uh, he he continues to hear the kids playing upstairs. 
normal kids. Normal kids, right? That's what I used to do. I never came when I was called. No. He radios back into his dispatch that it sounds like kids are in the house. Then he moves past the kitchen towards the staircase. He is moving slowly through the main floor, checking to make sure that nobody is down there. He doesn't see anything, so he proceeds. No, don't proceed. This is this is a total horror movie right now. It absolutely is. Dumb. But he's going to do it. He's a cop. He has to go. He doesn't have a choice. That's why they're, you know, they had a You always job. have a choice. You wait for backup. Yeah. You wait for backup. Well, this guy is like, no, it's just some kids. I'm going to go up there, right? That's what he's <laughs> I can take some kids. So he hears more noises coming from upstairs, and he starts his ascent slowly up the stairs. <laughs> he hears more children's laughter. <laughs> As he gets to the top of the stairs, everything goes quiet. As he starts to move down the hall, he hears a noise in the bedroom to his left. I don't know if that was. Oh, okay. Never mind. He looks into the bedroom and it's empty, except in the middle of the room is a pile of wood and debris. And sitting on top of the pile is a page torn from a children's book. Okay, Holly, what children's book? It is a picture of a police officer. No. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Covered in goosebumps, the officer quickly cleared all the empty bedrooms upstairs, bolted the fuck out of that house, shut and locked the door, and never went back in that oh, house I, again. Oh, I would do the same. <laughs> that, what child's book has a picture of a Well, you know, on? this is a fireman. This is a oh, police that's officer. Right. This is a postman. This that's is a dentist. Right. You know, that shit. And a duck and a cow and... But the fact that he's and a, a cop pig. and he walks in and he doesn't hear these kids and there's a photo, like a right children's image of a cop. It's like, oh, that's fucking weird. No, I, I would get so fast out of that place. Yeah. So what happens next? I don't know. He left. That was the end of the story. So there's, you, that is a cliffhanger. So there's no, nobody goes back and. I don't know. Finds... That's, that's all that thoughtcatalog.com would tell me. Thought catalog. I know. Shame on you. They need to do a follow up to some of these stories because there are actually some pretty I know they're ones. pretty good. Yeah. Okay. So the next one, this is a story of a cop that liked to park at a church parking lot because it's quiet there. So one night he pulled up into the parking lot and he found a car parked by itself in the lot. He pulls up next to the car and doesn't see anybody inside. So he pulls behind the car so he can just run the plates to make sure, you know, who it belongs to, that it wasn't stolen, blah, 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 right? Right. So as he starts to run the plates, he looks up and he can see somebody is sitting in the front seat of the car, looking at him very intently through the rear view mirror. So the cop drives his car back up next to the car. And again, there is no one inside of the car. The cop was completely freaked out and decided that he needed to get out of there instead of investigate it further. When he went back later, the car was gone. He has not gone back to the church to sit and relax since. And that's so weird that the entire car also disappeared. Well, I mean, if someone had been there, then they would have gotten and drove the car away. But was there someone in that car? Was there not someone in that car? I know. It's weird. It's very creepy. So here's my last one. There's a couple of cops in Wyoming, and they get called out to a rural home around 11 p.m. at night because the residents can hear screams coming from a creek about 1,000 feet away. Mm-hmm. When the officers arrive, the family is waiting for them on the porch. As they are talking to the family, they hear the screams themselves. It sounds like a woman is freaking out. Each scream lasts for 10 to 15 seconds. Mm. The officers said that it sounded like sheer terror. 
I kept repeating, so the two cops decided to head on out to the creek to see what they could find. They march out into the darkness towards the woods and the stream. As they get to the creek, the screams get louder and louder. Oh, no. I, that would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go investigate no. that no. at all. No. Balls of steel. No way But I go out there. The officers decide that the intensity of the screams means that someone is hurt, getting murdered, or it's a wild animal of some kind. Though the officer had no idea what kind of animal could make that sound. Once they reach the creek, they hear nothing for a few more minutes. They yell out for anyone listening to let them know where they are, but there's nothing but silence. Then they hear the screams again, but this time it's behind them. Oh, oh my gosh. Holy. Yeah. Okay, I'm not going to sleep tonight yeah, now. They're great. This is truly a campfire story. It really is, isn't it? Yeah, yes. it's truly a campfire. That's a great way of putting it. Um, so they start heading back towards the house and the screams hit them once again. These screams are so loud, the officers feel like they're coming from right next to them. They flash their flashlights everywhere around them, but there is nothing there. The officers are starting to get really freaked out. That is when, between the screams, they recognize the silence. What do you mean? There is no noise, no forest noise, no crickets or frogs, or no owls or wolves or coyotes, nothing. Kind of like now? Where everything's quiet. So we should kill our campfire sounds yeah. during this part. When I go kind of like now, yeah. Mm -hmm. when there's like no sound. Perfect. Do you hear that? There's nothing, Holly. I don't hear anything, Carol. And then insert a scream. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. In the distance. Do it, do it. Okay. No rabbits humping each other. Nothing. I don't think. No raccoons. No fish. No bears. No elk. What no you I said no raccoon 69ing is what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> no raccoon 69ing. No bears dry humping. Nothing. Okay. So they start. No French kissing from rattlesnakes. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Let's go. So they start tracing their steps and they hear the screams again. This time, <laughs> this time the scream lasts for 30 seconds and was even louder. But again, they find nothing. After looking everywhere, finding no source for the screams, realizing that even the forest creatures have split, and listening to their own sense of sheer dread, the officers decide there's nothing more that they can do, and they get the hell out of there. They head back to the family's home. They tell the family if they hear any more screams to let them know, and then they leave. They never hear from the family again. <gasps> They never hear from the family the again. probably dead. Yes, no, they no probably idea. are like goners. Well, the cops are probably like, you know what? You, we can't find anything. You guys are on your own. <laughs> We're <laughs> out of here. And I can't say I blame them. I would have done the same thing. Like, this is not a public safety issue. You guys are fine. You're fine. There's a little bit of screaming. It's fine. You will get used to it. Maine, the northernmost state in America usually thought of as a quaint, safe vacation destination. Our motto is, the way life should be. But did you know serial killer John Joseph Jobert was raised in Maine and was convicted of three stabbing murders of young boys? Or the unsolved abduction of baby girl Ayla Reynolds, supposedly stolen from her bed near Christmas 2011? Her body has never been found. These are just two of the main stories Murderific has covered. We cover crimes from all areas and main cases as well. 
Murderific True Crime Podcast, hosted by me, Bernadette, can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, or wherever you listen to podcasts, or go to murderific.com. We will be executing podcasts one crime at a time. Well, there was a lot of screaming, and that's a great segue to my story, Holly. (laughs) Hit me with it. When I was younger, Holly, I had read a book that really stuck with me called Screaming Skulls and Other Ghosts by Elliot O'Donnell. Have you heard of that? No. Well, he was an authority on ghosts and had an obsession with investigating reports about paranormal activity and interviewing the accounts by people, which he then later turned into a collection of short stories. He was a skeptic, but could not deny the similarities of certain paranormal stories told from people and asserts that everything he wrote about was true, according to the witnesses who experienced them. And that's why I like this book so much, because as you were reading it, you knew they were possibly true stories. Oh, nice. I like that. Very cool. Yeah. So the Screaming School reports mainly took place in Britain and became a widely believed superstition which involved keeping a head or a skull from a deceased relative as a sort of guardian of the home, kind of like our gargoyles that we think of as guardians. Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, you don't have a gargoyle, but I do. I just don't, I guess I understand why they would do it, but I think of a gargoyle as just like a little statue, whereas I have grandma's head on side on the fireplace mantle. It's a little different to me for a protection device. Yeah, it's kind of like when people keep urns of ashes. But do the urns protect anyone? They're just a bunch of ashes. I don't know. We'll have to ask. (laughs) I mean, I suppose if you took an urn of ashes and someone was running after you and you threw it in their face, that would like blind them for a second. Yeah, you could do that. (laughs) Or just hit them on the head with the jar. Just trying to think of how that would work. (laughs) That actually would work better, I think. Take my grandma. Now, some families would display their skull proudly in their living rooms or entryway, and others would discreetly hide the skull in corners of rooms in the attics or basements of their residence. Uh, But it was actually the Celts who believed in the paranormal powers of the human skull. So one would think uh, we would find most of these stories associated with the area of Ireland, Scotland, and Wales. However... These stories that were passed down through oral tradition really seem to be coming mainly from England. At least the only written records that we have uh, really are limited to England. And there have been about 37 written stories of various schools obtaining powerful abilities to haunt. Hmm. The association also seems to be from people who died from foul play or very violent deaths. Oh, wow. Okay. So they would keep the school of somebody who died violently. Mm-hmm. So today, I'm going to recount some of the more scary and bizarre stories of the Screaming Skulls. <laughs> and yes, yes, this was a Scooby-Doo episode, actually. I bet it was. Uh, for those of you who remembered Scooby-Doo. The year was 1598 in Driffield, England. A family with three daughters lived in a grand manor hall called Burton Agnes. Now, the youngest daughter, Anne, was out one day on an errand and returning home was attacked by bandits who requested that she hand over her mother's expensive ring, which she said, fuck you. She fought back and was gravely injured. I actually she's very British, so she probably didn't cuss at all. (laughs) She said, but she did fight back. And in the process, she was gravely injured. The townspeople heard her screaming. 
And so they rescued oh, her. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the townspeople heard her screaming and carried her back home where she unfortunately died five days later. But before Anne died, she had a weird request that her head be severed off and kept on the mantle of their stately home so she could live there forever. Wow. Yeah, the family thought that idea was super yuck and just morbid. So yeah, they denied that is fucked up. Yeah, and that's what they told her. So they denied her request and instead buried her inside their family crypt. But soon after, strange moaning and cries were heard throughout the house. And after days of being tormented by screaming, the family decided to dig up her body. Isn't this getting good? Yes. That um are you sure the screams It's like and pet moaning? cemetery all over again. Are, only you, with are you sure the screams and the moaning weren't coming from some other <laughs> situation? Someone <laughs> took a new lover. Yeah. Or several. Mm. You know, they dug up her body and the freakiest thing was when they dug her up, the head had been already severed off and placed away from the body. What? With its eyes removed <gasps> and all the flesh scraped off. Wait, wait, so it's just a skull? Just a clean skull well, separated from weird. her body. That's really fucking weird. Yeah. And so this family was so bold. Instead of running away crying like I would have. No. They placed the skull inside Burton Agnes Hall. And guess what? Hmm. All the moaning and crying and paranormal noises stopped. So your theory. She got her way. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's her. Now, years later, residents unrelated to the Agnes family moved in, and they just thought it was gross having a skull displayed, so they quickly tossed it out, but regretted their decision because they reported that the home would be filled with paranormal sightings of Anne's ghost and terrible screaming and noises. One recorded case told of a servant tossing the skull into a horse's cart, which was carrying manure. <laughs> <laughs> what? And the horses got so spooked, they wouldn't budge from its spot, not even when the owners took to whipping them. Wow. So they made a servant go back, retrieve the skull out of the manure, after which the horses were happy and moved away from the house. Well, eventually, after repeated issues with trying to rid the home of the skull, it was finally just hidden in one of the walls so nobody had to look at it. They put it in a wall? They buried the skull in a wall, but it was in the house, so it did get its wish. Um, and that seemed to have settled the noises. Yeah, I mean, think about it, Holly. It would be like Halloween every day with that thing sitting out. The neighbors would be, guys, take your decorations down now already. It's Easter. <laughs> You have neighbors that keep their lights on at Christmas all year round. Sure. I know you do out there. Yeah, you do. There is. One of my favorite stories takes place involving a farmer and his wife in Gumbria, England, mm -hmm. whose names were Craster and Dorothy Cook. They had a modest home on rich farmland with beautiful surroundings, and one of their neighbors was quite wealthy and began acquiring more land in order to build an impressive manor that they were going to call Colgarth Hall. The neighbors, Miles Philipson and his wife, had decided that of all the many acres they owned, the most envious land was, of course, the few acres owned by the farmer. Many times, Mr. Philipson would offer to buy his property, and each time he would raise the price of his offer, but the farmer would not sell his land. It was said that his wife came up with a scheme in order to acquire it. One day, while visiting the small cottage, he told the farmer he no longer wanted to buy his land and that the house he was building would be moved to a different location. He told the farmer that it was his hope that they could someday make amends and be good neighbors. 
As the holidays were approaching, he also invited Craster and his wife Dorothy to a Christmas party and dinner at their home. Even though the cooks were happy that their neighbor had changed their minds, they didn't feel right in accepting the invitation because of their lack of fine clothes and general lack of social engagements with high society. But with more persuasion, they eventually decided to accept. And as they suspected, all the guests had shown up wearing their best jewelry and clothes celebrating the holiday. Embarrassed at feeling out of place, they mainly kept to themselves and focused their eyes down to their plates most of the evening. Hmm. Near Craster was a small bowl glittering of pure gold, and he found that to be a good object for his attention. Eventually, everyone at the dinner table became aware of his focused stare on the little bowl. Philipson's wife called him out by exclaiming that, I see you greatly admire that bowl, and yes, it is worthy of any man's admiration. The farmer, ashamed of staring and taken off guard by the comments, nodded his head and replied in agreement. Soon after, the cooks left the party, but the awkward incident had already been notably remembered by all the guests. The next morning, soldiers came and arrested the farmer and his wife without any explanation and separated them in different cells. Hmm. At their trial, it was explained that they were being accused of stealing from their neighbors and, after searching their residence, they found the golden bowl that belonged to Mistress Philipson. Really? <clears throat> Interesting. So they got framed so they could take their property? That's right. Yep. So even though the farmer and his wife both denied the stealing of the bowl, there were just too many witnesses that recalled their fascination with the expensive object. Mm. They both were sentenced to death by hanging, and as Dorothy Cook heard the verdict, she yelled out a curse in the courtroom telling Mrs. Philipson that she had damned herself forever and the land will never prosper, nor your family or any of your heirs. Whatever cause you support will fail and any friends you have will be fatal and everyone you love will have no happiness in old house or new because she and her husband will be haunting them day and night forever and ever, tormenting them as long as life lasts. Go Amen. girl, go girl, get it. Get it, girl. Is that a curse or That's what? That's a good curse. That's a really good curse. That would be terrifying to be sitting in there in that courtroom I'm and hearing that. I'm going to fuck with you. That you is don't even know. powerful. So after their deaths, the Philipsons immediately started building their Calgarth Hall on the coveted land that used to belong to the farmer. And by the following Christmas, the construction was all finished. Again, they threw a big lavish party, and during the evening, the wife went upstairs to retrieve an item. But when she turned a corner, she noticed at the top of the staircase was two grinning skulls. One had a woman's long, dark hair hanging on it, and the other was shaped like a strong male skull. Do they have glowing red eyes? Please tell me they have glowing red eyes. Well, the flickering lights from the candle holders uh. highlighted their grins. Ew. So it was like they were grinning at her. Yeah. So she was so scared, she ran back downstairs into the dining room and told everyone who was present the whole story. Well, everyone decided to follow her back to the stairs. But instead of the skulls just vanishing which we would expect that to happen because usually that's what happens, yeah. you know? Yeah. You try and tell people and then prove the evidence and then, of course, it's gone. Yeah. But instead of the skulls vanishing, they had just moved from the balustrade to the middle of the top step. 
So one party guest, thinking it was just an illusion, stabbed his sword at the skulls and it struck hard bones. So it proved that the skulls were real objects because mm-hmm. they were thinking, you know, it was just a party right. trick. Sure. Then the accusations started flying and one young servant was taken into the basement and tied to a pillar. Despite the darkness and cold, the servant would not confess to playing a prank. Soon afterwards, Mr. Philipson tossed out the skulls into a field, and everyone tried to just forget the incident. But that evening, around 2 a.m., everyone heard a high-pitched scream, and the whole household was running out of their rooms trying to locate the sounds. Eventually, they came upon the staircase, which, once again, the two grinning skulls were sitting in the middle of the stairs, but in complete silence. What? Isn't this awesome? That's very creepy. Very creepy. This time, Mr. Philipson threw the skulls into a duck pond. But again... That'll show them. Yeah. They won't come crawling out of that duck pond anytime soon. No, they can't. No way. They don't have legs, even though somehow they ended up back at the house. (laughs) But again, the next evening, weird screaming was heard, and the skulls, again, were back sitting on the staircase. Wow. Soon it would become such an awful existence that no servants would work for them. And guests would whisper and gossip about the people because of the possible truth that they now suspected regarding the death of the farmer and his wife. Eventually, the owners did die, and their heirs reported that the screaming skulls were still an issue, but only around Christmas and any time they tried to have a party or feast. One report said that the guests were at the dinner table when screams were heard and the doors to the dining room swung open with the skulls rolling in and hopping up on the table. <sighs> All the guests screamed. Hopping. Yeah, they just hopped up on the dining room hey table. Gosh, how's it going? Yeah. Hop on up on I don't think I don't think they talked though, but <laughs> it was enough to make all the guests scream and they all ran out of the hall and they never came back. Oh wow. Eventually, all the generations of the Philipson family became poorer and poorer Mm. and it is said the last owner eventually lost the property and died as an outcast and a beggar with no friends wow so she got her revenge absolutely she got got that whole family bankrupt good for her in 1996 david clark and get this he was writing about these skulls for his phd thesis what I love it when they have like actual like, like how, academic papers about this. How stuff. is it that like this can be a qualified yeah. subject for you, PhD research? You did another story where somebody I was know. doing an academic paper about something that was like what? I know it totally threw me yeah. for a loop. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he researched these locations and found that many of the skulls that the stories talked about were unable to be located. But out of thirty-two reported skulls. Seven of these skulls were located boarded up within manor walls, and 10 of these reported skulls are still on view in various locations in stately homes around England. So you can see the skulls? Yes. Oh, wow. Now, my last story takes place in Dorset, England, at the Betty's Cove Manor and was said to have been built by the Piney family. Isaiah Piney was sentenced to die from the failed Monmouth Rebellion of 1685. Instead of being hanged, drawn, and quartered, he made a bribe to become an indentured servant in the Caribbean. He quickly, though, in just a few years, changed his fortune, eventually buying land and becoming a rich plantation owner, living out his days on the island of Nevis. One of his descendants returned to England, residing back at Betty's Combe Manor. He had brought with him a young slave from the island to help run the manor. 
but the servant soon became very sick with extreme change in climate and upon his death made a wish to have his body returned to his homeland in the Caribbean. He also gave a warning that the family would have no peace until his body was returned home. But due to the cost of transporting the body back to his home, his wish was ignored, and instead he was buried in the local churchyard. No, he wasn't. He's going to be pissed. Can you guess what happens next, Holly? His skull starts screaming, perhaps? Well, first (laughs) of all, the manor was filled with screams and wailing night after night. I bet it was. And other reports of paranormal noises like knockings, door slammings. So they decided to dig up the bones and bring the body back to the hall, at which immediately the noises and screaming all stopped. And I don't know how they came to this conclusion, but it was said that they figured out that all they really needed was the skull and not the full skeleton to keep the manor hall at peace. It was also reported that if anyone tried to remove the skull, the surrounding land would suffer an agricultural disaster and the person responsible for removing the skull would die within a year. So they must have put this to the test for several years and recorded that this actually happened. Eventually, the skull was placed in the attic next to the chimney. Just So that's just a kind of a random skull sitting up there next to the chimney in the attic, which is one of the creepiest parts of a house. The attic and the basement. You just want to avoid those at all costs. Yeah. And I guess, you know, these people, if they really had to keep a skull in there, that would probably be one of the best places to have it. So what is it with the skull? Is it because they can see with their eyes what's going on in the house? Like, I don't understand. Is that what it is? They just have incredible power. And these skulls don't mess around. Many stories also report that the skull, if kept in the original location, can bring luck to the owners. For example, like the Screaming Skull of Tunstead Farm recorded in the 19th century. It was said this skull protected the house and farm from being robbed and prevented a train track from being built too close by the property. That, that's handy. That you know? is handy. Yeah, sometimes that can happen. And it was said the skull would undo the work overnight of what was attempted from the railroad workers during the day. So <laughs> even without arms and legs, the skull <laughs> pretty damn good. tore it up. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's powerful. That is powerful. Now, this was reported in a local magazine, this okay. whole story, in 1863 called The Panorama. So the tradition of keeping a skull in homes and behind the bar in many pubs in England became a common occurrence. The Pack Horse Inn located in Keswick has been known to have also supernatural occurrences and at one time had a skull displayed. I don't know if they still do. Hmm. So anyone from England listening, go check out the Pack Horse Inn and report back. Let us know if there's a skull there. That would be cool to find out. It'd be like behind the bar probably. You have to ask to see it, like, you know, yeah. up in Timberline Lodge. you got to ask to see the axe from The Shining. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it was your sister, Holly, that said as a kid you screamed a lot. Yeah, um, that's true. I did. So your school is probably very powerful. Do you have any English relatives by chance? I think I do. You keep that in mind. Okay. Could be, you know. I could put my school there when I die. Yeah, you could be pretty powerful. Let's go to England for real, and then let's find a really cool place I can put my school after I pass. So when my daughter was little, she was playing with these fake handcuff things that I had. Mm-hmm. And hmm. um, I didn't realize. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I, no, stop it. I didn't realize. <laughs> yeah, I was like looking at a magazine or I was distracted by something and I was laying on the floor. So I didn't realize it. And 
I didn't have the key. I could not find the key. I kept directing her to places to try and find the key. I'm pretty so sure Stephen King wrote a book about this. <laughs> we we had to call the cops to come and break me out of the handcuffs. Were they just laughing at you? Like going, yeah, oh, this is fun. They th thought it was crazy. They were like, uh-huh, so your daughter cuffed you to the bed? Right. <laughs> sure she did. <laughs> Carol's yeah. game. Right. Yeah, Carol's game. There you go. He hears more children's laughter as he gets <laughs> back to my story. I mean, Carol. laughing, laughing episode. Back to, back to back to my story, Holly. Okay, just finish your story and let's get the hell out of here. You don't want to high five? Oh, <laughs> wait. Ouch. I'm. I haven't been drinking, but for some reason, I can't high five people. Oh. Do you want to know the secret to a high five? No. You look at the person's elbow that you're high-fiving. Do it right now. Look at her elbow. Wait. Okay. Let's test this theory. I'm looking at your elbow. Oh. oh that wasn't well, that okay. great. Oh. Yeah. yeah. That does work. Mm -hmm. Okay. One more time. Yeah. She really is going for it. Mm. <laughs> Do you know how good that feels? I yeah. never <laughs> usually get to high-five. Oh, I know. It's great. I'm Once glad you, you think it, it feels good. That fucking hurt. Yeah. As the flames die down, do remain undaunted. Though all hitchhikers are ghosts and all dolls are definitely haunted. Hey guys, be sure to follow us on Instagram. Our handle is at Fireside Phantoms. If you have a spooky story you would like to share with us, send it to firesidephantoms at gmail.com and you may hear it on a future episode.